this morning uh, to a place we've already heard read, uh, which is Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Today is June 30th, and uh, we are about to be celebrating a huge day in our nation's history, which is July 4th, Independence Day. A day where we celebrate our freedom, our liberty, our founding. Um, it's an important day for us. And so, too, there are some important things that we can take from that idea of freedom found here primarily in Galatians. A very clear passage here about freedom and where its ultimate base is. Notice here, we're just going to read one verse. Galatians 5. Notice what Paul says here. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank You for Your Word. You've given us this Word by the power of Your Spirit. It is the Word of the Father. Lord, we want to know what it is You want to say to us today by Your Spirit. The author is still living and we submit to You who is the author and finisher of our faith. Help us respond to this Word In true repentance and faith, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There's real freedom found in Jesus Christ. This is what Paul proclaims here in Galatians 5. It's what the Bible talks about, is that Christ can set us free. God is a God who delivers. Now, He's not a God that just says He can deliver. There's a difference often, as you know, from those who say certain things and who actually execute those said things. Or, you know, maybe, uh, for instance, this past week, I'm dealing with a watch problem. And so I call the company that was supposed to be repairing my watch who sent me back a repaired watch, but a further broken watch. They broke it further. Uh, So I call them and online, on hold, they're telling me how good their customer service is, how Every one of their customers is 100% satisfied while they're playing Christmas music in the background, interestingly. And they're constantly telling me as I'm on hold for 30 minutes how good of a job they do and what they're rated in customer service. And yet the customer service was not able to help me at all. So, said values are not always lived values. What's good about God is that He doesn't just say, I'm a deliverer. He doesn't just come to Moses on Mount Sinai or Abraham or the children of Israel and say to them, hey, I can deliver you. You need to trust that. You need to believe that. Instead, in the Old Testament, God actually delivers them from the bondage they found themselves in to Egypt. That's why when people say things like, It really doesn't matter if it happened or not in the Bible. Such things as the resurrection, or the exodus, or the nation of Israel altogether, or the prophets. They say, look, it really doesn't matter. What matters is the lesson it's trying to teach us. No, it matters that it actually happened. If it didn't happen, then we don't really know in time and space if God can deliver or not. 
if He delivered them, if Jesus delivered us by a bodily resurrection, then we can know that God delivers. It's not just something any longer that that He's he's blowing hot air. No, He has executed action in our world, in this world, in time and space to deliver, to free us. And Paul says, look, it's for freedom. In other words, that's the reason Christ did what He did. It's, It's for freedom that Christ set us free. So in other words, we weren't freed from our former bondage to go back into slavery, which is exactly what he's warning the Galatians here. And the larger context is a discussion about circumcision, which was the sign of the old covenant. But instead, we were freed to be free. (laughs) Now, just like most things in life that matter, they begin with God. So, for instance, you're watching a movie, and any good movie has love as a component in it. You say, I don't know, I like manly movies. Well, I like manly movies too, and I produced four men in the world. So... You know, we, we like manly stuff as well. But, but let me check this out. Even in your war movies, there's love, is there not? That's what gets the guy on the grenade that saves everybody else. Is that he loves the guy next to him. They may not say they love you. You know, that's not really dude talk in the, in the uh, Navy SEALs. But it's self-sacrifice. The greatest act of love anyone can do in the world because it's what God Himself has done. For us. You see, love is at the very core, the very foundation of anything and everything in our world that matters. Why? Because God Himself is love. That's why. You can't get away from God, therefore you can't get away from love. So too, freedom. Freedom is this concept in our world, and we see it in other nations We take it for granted here often. It's something that needs to be managed, and we could get on a soapbox politically this morning, and I could spend the rest of the time on that. But that's not what a message like this is for. Instead, I can just say to you, it must be managed freedom. It's a responsibility. We know this. We're seeing this in our world as we're losing certain freedoms, in particular religious freedoms. And other nations struggle even for the freedom to have as many babies as they want i.e. China, where there's a one-child policy. You see, we enjoy some things here, which we're going to celebrate July 4th, that other nations would dream of <coughs> celebrating, dream of having. Other, other civilizations never even saw possible. And at the base of this idea of freedom, of liberty, and justice for all, At the base of that, guess who you find again? It's God. Because God Himself is free. I would ask you, what restrains God? Is there any force that would restrain God? Is there any other God? No. There's only one God, and He's not restrained by anyone or anything. In other words, He does exactly what He wants to do. Now, He's good, 
So he doesn't do certain things. I had a student one time ask me, he said, well, God can't do what He wants. I said, hmm, where do you think of that idea at? You know. He said, well, the Bible says that God cannot lie. So see, God can't lie, so God can't do everything. Okay. Kind of like the argument you know, that people often give, can God make a rock, you've heard this, that God can't pick up? Hmm. Can you make a rock so big that He can't pick it up, therefore nullifying God's omnipotence or all-power, all-powerfulness? Well, it's an interesting question. And at the same time, it's an illogical question. So C.S. Lewis says, well, that's like asking God to make a square circle. It's impossible. It doesn't even make sense. It's asking God to make 1 plus 1 equal 3. When in fact, that's impossible. In other words, it's impossible for God to lie. He can't do it. Lying is an abuse of freedom, not freedom. Lying gets you into bondage. God can never be in bondage. He can never be enslaved. Nothing is over Him or constrains Him or restrains Him. He is completely free to do what He wants to do. And who He is, is only good. So John would say it this way, In Him is light, and there is no darkness at all. So we don't look at God and say, na 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 boo boo you can't lie. That's a childish accusation because when we lie, we put ourselves in bondage. We put others in bondage. It's why God tells us not to lie. You see, with every commandment that God gives, there's a positive that's being reinforced. So when He says to us, do not commit adultery, that doesn't mean it doesn't feel good. It doesn't mean that you wouldn't naturally, in your natural state, want that. In a culture that says, do what feels good. Do what you feel. That's what makes you happy. God says, no. Don't do what you feel. Instead, do what I say. (laughs) That's what I tell my kids, isn't it? Daddy, I don't want to eat this. I, no one ever asked you if you wanted to, son. I've said that so many times. I even get sick of saying that. Did anybody hear him, me ask if he wanted to eat it? No, it's a commandment. I know that if he continues to eat chips, he'll be constipated. It's what happens. You have to eat fruit. You have to eat healthy if you're going to if your body's going to function healthily. And as a kid, he doesn't know that. All he knows is that sour cream and onion taste and what he wants in that moment. But I can see broader than that. And so he's in bondage to eating Pringles. And I help release that bondage by my commandments. Isn't this what God does to us? Isn't He our Father? Doesn't He say to us, Son, put that down. You don't need that. But I want that. I feel like, Daddy, I want to eat that. That's what Jackson always used to tell me. 
Daddy, my tummy is telling me that I want Pringles. I don't care what your tummy is telling you. I trump your tummy. And so too, God has ten main commands that He gives to us in the Old Testament. Now, they're a summary of a larger set of laws, much more intricately, but the ten summarize everything. The first four, you see, deal with our relationship with God. The latter six deal with our relationship to each other. And what does Jesus come saying and preaching? Well, love God and love your neighbor. That sums up the entire law. Why? Because it sums up the Ten Commandments. So behind each command, don't do this, there's a positive reinforcement that is protecting something, such as marriage. Don't commit idolatry. Why? Because ultimately idolatry is worshiping yourself. It's the God you created in your mind. Every time we create God, He looks a lot like us. He plays the games that we play. When He reveals Himself, He's not a God that plays the games we play. He's gracious. He's kind. He's just. He's faithful. He's only good. He's forgiving. He's caring. And He's righteous. And He's a God who can free us. We think we know what freedom is. We think we know what it means to have a good time. Only God knows what it means to have a good time. He's the one who invented time. He's the one who invented joy, happiness, pleasure. He knows what can satisfy you. He knows that. Just like I know what my children need. They don't know that. Now, I've told this story before, so bear with me if you know, you've never heard it. I mean, if you have heard it. <clears throat> Baylor, one morning, well, one morning we had Jackson and Baylor. That was before we had two others following those two guys. Uh, Baylor was about one and Jackson was three. We, you know, we had, we had sent him in there to watch a couple cartoons. <coughs> I went back to the bedroom. And Jackson comes in and says, Birdie, who he's referring to Baylor. We have nicknames that we run with. But Baylor, he said, uh, has a knife and is trying to cut me. And I said, well, that's, that's odd. Um, you know, I guess that toy, that little kitchenette set that we got him for Christmas uh, is finding usage for boys. And I think to myself, we didn't get them a kitchenette set for Christmas. There's no kitchenette set in our house. There are no fake knives in our house. And so I run in there, and Birdie, which is Baylor, is watching Mickey Mouse dual-wielding two paring knives, stainless steel, while he's sucking on his passing. (laughs) Now, what do you do as a parent at this point? To reach out and try to grab them or yell at them, guess what he's going to do? These are mine. I found them. Right? That's what a kid does. You try to grab something from a kid, they're going to pull back. And he's going to stab himself immediately. 
So I come into the room and there he is. Unbeknownst to us, he somehow figured out to get into a dishwasher and get all the way to the back, pull out the thing, go all the way to the, where the knives are enclosed and get them out. Who knew a one-year-old could do all that? Yeah. You know, no more putting the knives in the dishwasher. Um, and here I am and I say to Baylor, give those to Daddy. And I start approaching him. And I say, sweetie, give those to Daddy. And I mean, I could get cut. He could get cut. This is not a good thing. And I slowly reach out and I take them. And ameliorate the situation, thankfully. And it just struck me after that. I do the same thing with God. I go and I dig up something that I think is cool. I think is shiny and nice. And I found it. And I did it, and it's mine. And God says, sweetie, give me that. I say, huh, that's mine. I did the work to get this. He says, baby, give me that. You're going to hurt yourself or you're going to hurt somebody else. Give those to daddy. Don't you have things in your life like that? That hurt other people? that hurt yourself, you can give those to God. He can free you. We think we know what fun is. He could have been seriously injured or he could have injured his brother. He doesn't know what fun is. We don't know what fun is naturally. We don't know what it means to be happy naturally. We don't know what it means to be free in our natural state because we were created free but we abused that freedom. And now we're, we find ourselves in bondage. Bondage to sin. Bondage to our own way. Bondage to making ourselves look better than everybody else. It's why we talk about people. It's why we run other people down. It's why we look ensconced at them or to the side. We set ourselves up as king. We set ourselves up ultimately as God. We break the first commandment. No other gods before me. This bondage to sin runs deep. It's in all of us. Again, we think we know what freedom is, but the further we try to run down that road, the more lost we become. Have you ever had one of those days where you said to yourself, I'm not going to do anything today. I'm just going to literally sit on the couch and do nothing. And at the end of the day, you feel terrible. You probably have a headache from sitting on the couch all day. And you feel like a loser. Because you are. <laughs> um, we don't know what freedom is. We think to ourselves when we're in high school or college, you know what, when I get old, I'm not going to do like my mom. I'm just going to not do anything. Oh, that's great. End up under a bridge. I mean, here's the reality. Is it's real easy to be bad. Anybody can be bad. I used to find it fascinating at school. You know, to see the little clicks, to see that the bad boy was the popular one. 
Did anybody ever figure out that being bad is easy? It's easy to get drunk. It's easy to sleep around. It's easy to talk about other people. That's easy. (laughs) You can probably fill my ear with stuff. That's easy to be bad. It's difficult to be good. It's difficult to say no. It's difficult to restrain yourself, to hold your tongue, to be disciplined. That's why not everybody makes it to the Olympics. That's why not everybody is a professional athlete. It takes discipline to be good. It doesn't come just naturally to us. What comes natural is mine, all mine. Gollum. They stole it from me. Those thieves. Or then, then even later on in the Lord of the Rings, he comes talking about they stole it from us. He's lost himself. Literally. He has no identity anymore. The further you go into sin, the further you go down that road of finding your own freedom, unrestrained life, I'm in control, I got the money, I got the fame, I have the power, the more lost you'll become. Until you've lost yourself. And you don't even know why you do what you do. All you can think about is yourself. That's not freedom. That's not freedom. (laughs) God's plan for freedom is first found in the Exodus. He delivers them out of bondage. The Old Testament never lets you forget that. The prophets never let you forget that divine moment where He supernaturally delivers them out of the hands of another nation. And He creates a nation out of that nation. He uses a fellow named Moses to do that. And a mountain called Sinai to deliver His law, His commands, or His instructions on how to be free. In other words, just like Paul says here, it was for freedom that God delivered Israel. It wasn't so they could go back to Egypt, which they wanted to do, did they not? They got to the promised land, this land of freedom and liberty, justice for all. And they said no to God. That's never a good thing, is it? Just like in my house, it's not a good thing to say no to me. Unless you're Jessica. If you're a child at my house, it's not a good thing to say no to me. Especially if it's not followed up by sir. They said no, and they went back into slavery. In the desert, in the wilderness, and died there. God's plan of freedom in the New Testament, of course, is the Gospel, is Jesus, is the cross. The cross sets us free. That's what Paul is saying. For freedom, Christ has set us free. How did He do that? It was by giving up His life. So, again, didn't I say that God can do everything? 
But what does God choose to do? He chooses to take on flesh. We're most of the time wishing we didn't have this flesh. All this sinus congestion. A restrained voice. Headaches. Stomach aches. Getting tired. Getting hungry. God takes on flesh. He can do anything He wants. And look what He does. And He gives up His life because that's where life is found. It's not found in trying to contain your life or hold on to it. That's like trying to hold on to sand. The harder you squeeze it, the more it comes out of your fingers. You can't hold on to your life. If you hold on to your life, Jesus is very clear, you'll lose it. You'll lose your life. If you give your life away, then you'll gain life. <laughs> he turns it on its head, doesn't He? We're told... We should grab life by the horns. Make of it what we want. Do what we want. I'm telling you, there's no life in that. There's no freedom in that. There's freedom in giving up your life. Isn't that what Neo did in The Matrix? Isn't it what Harry Potter did in the series? Isn't it what Frodo did in Lord of the Rings? Isn't it what Aslan did in Narnia? You see, those epic stories are pointing to the main story where they get their plot line from. And that is Jesus Christ. He gave up His life. Gave up His power, so to speak. At least the worldly kind of power that we think of, so that we might be empowered to be free. As we often say to, at least in, in military circles, freedom isn't free. It costs somebody something. So to our freedom wasn't free for God. It cost him his son. It cost Jesus his life. Does that mean anything to you? I get emotional thinking about the young soldiers that gave their life. The people who signed that Declaration of Independence. Many of them died. Don't you know? That was a a death signature. They were signing away their life so that we might have life. Imagine a kite... You know, flying in the air. What if that kite all of a sudden struck personality and said, huh, interesting. Wind. I can't see it, but apparently that's how I'm flying. And as the kite is flying, it's flapping and, you know, checking out the birds and the clouds. This is a cool gig. I wish I could fly higher. But all of a sudden the, the kite is sees itself as restrained by the string, Right? That keeps tugging. There's this string that keeps tugging at the kite, pulling it back instead of out into the wind. And the kite says to itself, Hey, man, I wish I was free. I want to I wanna fly high. I want to be free of this, of, of the, of this de- attachment. I want to be detached. Untethered. That's new jargon today. 
I want to be free. Let me ask you something. What happens to a kite that is detached from its string? Is it really free and flying higher? Is it? No. Ends up in the dump. That's where it ends up. Because it has a big crash landing because it's out of control. It needs that string of control. That extra pressure that holds it against the wind that allows it to fly. Unrestrained, it flies out into nowhere and ultimately to the ground. It's out of control. We think if we could just detach ourselves from God, which is impossible, ultimately. I say impossible. You can't, so to speak, escape God, but He will allow you to cut the string. There's a place where souls go to die. It's called hell. It's the second death. You'll die a physical death, but those who detach themselves from God, He's willing to grant that request. He will in the end, because we're a free people, He will give you what you want. A life without Him, which is not life. It's death. We think if we can just get out of this string of, a, string of commandments, the string of the church, the constraint of the church, the constraint of the law of the Bible, that we'll be free. Flying high. But the ultimate reality is we'll be out of control. On our way down. Do you know the kind of freedom that Christ brings? Have you ever experienced that kind of freedom? It's different than the freedom that we enjoy in this great land we live in. It's a freedom to love. It's a freedom to forgive. It's a freedom to live right. And that freedom is only found in Jesus Christ. There's no other. He is the stream that keeps us flying high. If you want to do something great in this life, make sure the string is tight. Don't loosen yourself from that string the wind of the Spirit will pick us up and take us to places. Trust me, He's done it in my life. He's done it in countless lives. He'll take you to places you've never dreamed. You'll be able to do things you never thought possible because you became, as Paul says elsewhere, His slave. And slavery to the truth Slavery to freedom is free. It's happiness. It's real joy. It's real fulfillment and satisfaction. There is no happiness apart from God. Period. There is no freedom apart from Jesus Christ. Do you know that kind of freedom? Are you flying high or are you circling about? Tighten the string today. Allow the Spirit open yourself up. Don't close yourself in. That's how a kite goes down fast.
The wings are broken, but instead open yourself up to God. And the Spirit of God will come in and take you to places that you never dreamed. He will free you from yourself. It's for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, do not go back into the yoke of slavery. Amen.